Cardi B empowers women with WAP. Democrats lambast Rush Limbaugh. Portland is still burning. And night two of the DNC convention. All that and more on this episode of the Johnny Ray Show. So strong, so empowering, so thought-provoking, so bold. Cardi B is praised by all of the left for her bold, empowering, uplifting song, WAP. We break down the groundbreaking song by Cardi B in just a moment, but first... Today, podcasts are all the rage. Everyone wants a voice, and now Anchor has given you that voice. Anchor is the easiest way to podcast, whether it's political or fun, about parenting, or just your day-to-day routine. Anchor is the free, easy way to get heard. Anchor allows you to create, edit, and publish your podcast right from your smartphone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so you don't have to. It's everything you need to create a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Susan B. Anthony, Dorothy Day, Margaret Mead, Lucy Stone, Ida B. Wells, all great women's rights activists, but they have nothing on Cardi B. Cardi B, you know the young lady who openly admitted and even bragged about drugging and robbing men just a short time, and I mean like five minutes ago. Well, she released a new song called WAP, which stands for Wet Ass P-Word. The New York Times, CNN, and MSNBC has called this song and video, mind you, empowering to women. So I decided since it's empowering to women and we're all about women being empowered here at the Johnny Ray Show, I do a small breakdown of this empowering, iconic, bold song, Wet Ass P-Word by Cardi B. Take a listen. I said certified free, seven days a week, wet ass pussy, make that pullout game weak. Wow, very empowering. Sounds very empowering to me. So, for for those of you that might not be able to keep up, like some, myself included, I decided to read some of the lyrics and just give an assessment to what 
is in this uh, this bold, empowering song. So, this is Cardi B and Megan The Stallion. Not the, The Stallion. Whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I said, certified freak, seven days a week. Wet-ass P-word, make that pull-out game weak. Whoa. That, that's just the opening. Very empowering for even just an opening to a song. So we'll go on to the chorus and we'll, we'll break down some of those empowering bold lyrics of the chorus by Cardi B. Yeah, 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 yeah. You effin' with some wet-ass P-word. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass P-word. Give me everything you got for this wet-ass P-word. I'm starting to see a trend in this song. I don't know if you are, but I am. As a listener, I hope you're seeing the trend of this bold, iconic song. Let's go on to the verse. Beat it up inward, catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this P word right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This P word is wet. Come take a dive. Tie me up like I'm surprised. Let's role play. I'll wear a disguise. Very Dr. Seuss. Very Dr. Seuss-ish. I didn't realize Dr. Seuss was empowering to women. I continue. I want you to park that Big Mac truck right in this little garage. Make it cream. Make me scream. Out in public, make a scene. I don't cook. I don't clean. But let me tell you how I got this ring. A. A. Okay. So let's let's go back here cuz that's again bold. So basically they're describing a man having sexual intercourse with a woman. I assume one of the two either Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion. They like it large and extra hard which could pose a problem for gentlemen who might not be well endowed. So you should keep that in mind if you have a sexual attraction to Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion. It says, put it right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. I think what they're trying to say, I don't... I, I'm not really sure. I can only go at face value here. But I think what they're trying to say is that they want your nose in their P word. Which is really weird because that's not something that you normally do with your nose. 
I mean, that's not a normal place for that particular part of your anatomy. It says, hop on top, I want to ride. So obviously, they like to be in, in on the top position of said sexual intercourse. But what I, what I have trouble is I do a kegel while it's inside. That's got to be very difficult because I've seen people doing the kegel exercises. That's got to be very difficult to do while a, a person's member of their anatomy is inside of your P word. I don't, I've never tried it. But I, I do got to say that seems rather difficult to do. And I think anybody who can do that has a lot of, of untapped talent that they should be looking into. It goes on to talk about spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. I, I'm not sure spitting in one's mouth is sanitary for one. If you've never met this gentleman or this woman, spitting from my mouth to your mouth can get very messy. And I don't think they thought that one through very well. It then says, the P word is wet, come take a dive. I think that's more of an analogy, but from what I'm seeing, may not be. This is where it gets a little, a little out there. Okay, Viewer discretion advised on this one. It says, tie me up like I'm surprised. That, that, if described like that, that's a crime. That's kidnapping, okay? That is, at the very least, that's at the very least false imprisonment, okay? If I tie you up and you're surprised that I tied you up, that is a crime, okay? And then it says, let's role play, I'll wear a disguise, it would depend on the disguise, I think. Um, it would definitely depend on the disguise. If you're disguised as Where's Waldo, I'm not going to be into that as much. I mean, I'm just saying. And if you are disguised, how do I know it's you? You could be somebody else. And that's where it gets tricky. They go on to say that they want you to park that Big Mac truck. Again, with the big... I think they're I think they're overindulging the size of genitalia in this particular song, which is really alienating to uh, the fraction of men, the percentage of men who are not in possession of a Big Mac truck. Okay, it says in this little garage. If you are engaging in sexual congress with a man who has a Big Mac truck in his possession, and they have parked it in your little garage, your garage is not going to be so little anymore. You should think about that, Cardi B. You should really think about that. I digress. Make it cream, make me scream. Out in public, make a scene. Again, I worry about the the legal ramifications of you allowing a man to make you cream, make you scream, and went out in public making a scene, that could be construed as indecent exposure. 
okay? That's a crime. You could go to jail for that. You could. This is where it finishes, and it says, I don't cook, I don't clean, but let me tell you how I got this ring. I think you've already told us how you got the ring, Cardi B. I think you already told us that. But, I digress. This is very empowering, I will say. I am, I am now a believer. Okay? I'm a believer that this is a very empowering song. My only concerns are, if you don't cook and you don't clean, okay, what exactly do you do besides let Big Mac trucks in your little garage? That is the question, Cardi B. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire song of lyrics. Um, it does get rather graphic. Um, I, I don't really care to hear the rest of the lyrics. I don't care to see the rest of the lyrics. I personally don't care about this song at all. Other than the fact that it's very bold and empowering to women. But I will say this. If as a parent, as a parent, you are looking to whap Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, or anybody else who does songs such as these, if you're looking to those as a moral compass for your child being raised to listen to and believe that this is empowering, your compass is broken. You should probably take your compass to the nearest compass fixing store if they have one in your area and you should get them to look at your compass to get it fixed because your compass is wrong I personally I don't I don't look to anybody but myself my family and my peers to lead my children into moral decency I don't. I think I believe that the parents should be morally decent and raise the child to be morally decent. I don't teach my child or children that somebody they should they should look up to dictates their moral compass. If you do, you're doing it wrong. You are not parenting correctly in my opinion. But I digress. After reading and discussing those lyrics of that bold and iconic song, I'm I'm only questioning because I I see that Cardi B has uh, through her support to Joe Biden in in the presidential race. I am personally waiting for Joe Biden to just come out on stage like the scene from Malibu's Most Wanted, drop down a sign that says, Biden's down with the bees and the hoes. 
That's what I'm waiting on. And if that happens, I think the internet will break. And I truly hope that happens. Because I do want to see that. Okay? I want to see that. Now, keep that empowerment of women in mind. Because yesterday, the left took the fight to Rush Limbaugh, accusing him of calling Vice President Pick Kamala Harris a, quote, ho. Anna Kasparian, of the ever-truthful and morally intellect Young Turks, had this to say. Rush Limbaugh has been promoting some pretty terrible stories, uh, complete lies about Kamala Harris, uh, referring to her as a hoe and a mattress. And uh, here's a little taste of what he broadcasted to the over 650 radio stations that carry his show. The NBA has fired a freelance photographer because he insulted Kamala Harris. His name is Bill Baptiste. He's an independent contractor, had the deal terminated by the league after he posted a sexist Facebook post referencing Kamala Harris. He posted an image that read Joe and Ho, H-O-E. Now, what do you think that's about, Joe and the Ho? Well, that takes me to the second story. Then there is this from The Spectator, why it should matter to women that Kamala slept her way up. Whoa, it's no secret, but public knowledge that Kamala Harris slept her way up into California political life by being a very public escort and mattress for California Democrat kingmaker Willie Brown. Now, some people read this story, mattress, didn't he mean mistress? No, I think they meant mattress here. You know, Melania Trump successfully sued the Daily Mail for referring to her as an escort. And I think Kamala Harris should absolutely go after Rush Limbaugh with a strong, and I think she has a strong case, defamation lawsuit. You wanna criticize Kamala Harris's prosecutorial record or maybe issues that you disagree with her on regarding politics, that's fine. But immediately, the first thing these Republicans do, people like Rush Limbaugh immediately go toward, you know, calling her all sorts of names, degrading her, referring to her as a mattress. I mean, this man is is awful. And honestly, like I didn't even want to do this story because it's just the fact that these types of people exist and get rewarded. He's on 650 radio stations. They love this kind of stuff. I mean, people like Rush Limbaugh led to this country electing someone like Donald Trump. They primed a certain portion of our voters to think this kind of behavior is totally okay. In fact, this type of behavior is so okay that you will get rewarded with it. You will get rewarded for it and get this largely like or incredibly popular conservative radio show. Yeah. Carried on hundreds of stations across the country. Yeah, I remember when we were first trying to break into radio. Um, you know, 18 years ago, uh, when Young Turks was a radio show. And a lot of program directors would say, look, you guys have a really good, compelling show. It's really entertaining. Uh, but uh, the rest of our station is conservative. So we would piss off our audience too much. So we're just not gonna have any progressive shows on ever, because this station is anchored by Rush Limbaugh. So um, <laughs> not only did he spread this poison for decades in this country, but then they blocked any progressives from going on the radio at all. 
for decades at a time because Rush Limbaugh had had basically captured those stations. And this is the kind of message that he used. I mean, he, he called women feminazis for decades. And but nonetheless, I have to confess that this morning when I heard this, I was still genuinely surprised. Like I like when I heard that they were going after Kamala Harris for a new birther conspiracy, I was not surprised. I was like, well, of course, right? They're gonna make up something, God knows what she's, her parents are immigrants from Jamaica and from India. Of course, they're gonna go after her on that stuff. And of course, they're gonna lie about it. And of course, it's gonna be racial, right? And am I surprised they went after Kamala Harris for being a woman? No, am I surprised that they immediately called her a hoe? Yeah, I just, I, I can't, and you should yell at me for being surprised. But it's so over the top. It's they're spitting in the face of every successful woman in this country, saying, "Nope, no matter how high you get, we're going to call you a prostitute, and we're going to say that that's the only reason you got there." It's how could you not find that revolting? How do women vote for Republicans in this country? It's insanity. It's total insanity. So if you want to be a successful career woman in this country, oh yes, I voted for Republicans, and as soon as I became successful, they called me a prostitute. Oh, I'm so good! What a great party I have! It's just revolting. He was literally reading the story, like literally reading the story of a guy who posted Joe and Ho, and quoting the story wrote calling Kamala Harris an escort. I mean, listen, listen, I know the Young Turks aren't known for actual journalism, but come on. You're comparing the Daily Mail calling Melania Trump an escort to Rush Limbaugh reading a story which the writer called Harris an escort. Um, you're a moron? The main difference, among many, is Melania Trump did not sleep with a man who promised her to be first lady. They were together and married long before he ever ran for president, before he ever even decided to run for president. Kamala Harris did sleep with a man on the auspices of being put into a level of political gain. She did. With Willie Brown, she did. He told her he could get her into politics, and she slept with him. But that doesn't change the fact that Rush did not call Harris an escort, or a hoe, or a mattress. He simply read an article that said it, you simp. But let's not... Let, 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 forget that for... Five seconds, okay? For the sake of the argument, say Rush did call her those things. Is that not what the left is encouraging women to be called with the Cardi B song that we just discussed? Aren't they saying it's empowering for women to be called and treated as such? I don't know. You tell me. In other news, Portland BLM and Antifa rioters have been burning down Portland for some 80 days now, 
and late Sunday, a man was brutally beaten by BLM and Antifa members in the street. Adam Hanner, a white man, mind you, was driving near the courthouse downtown Portland Sunday when, according to sources, he stopped to give aid to a transgender woman who was being assaulted by BLM protesters. When the mob began approaching him, and he got back into his truck and drove away. Sources say the mob chased him until he crashed and then drug him out of the truck and began beating him. The source that I quote is the man who filmed the viral video and uploaded it on Sunday night. Other witnesses called Portland police and reported a group of close to 10 people beating Mr. Hanner. The Portland PD said they have identified the main guy who was filmed kicking Hanner in the head, knocking him unconscious, as Marquise Love, a 25-year-old black man who, according to sources, lists his place of employment as the airport in Portland, according to his Facebook page. Portland PD have said they've attempted to contact Mr. Love, leaving messages for him to turn himself in, but will continue to search for him. I mean... This is crazy. I would play the clip, but it's more of a visual. So I encourage everyone to go watch the video. Go watch it. I, I can give you the link. If you'd like to uh, get a hold of me, I can give you the link. I will strongly recommend caution as it is pretty grotesque. I will kind of narrate it for you. It begins as the suspect, Love, is punching Hanner several times while Hanner's on the ground before getting up and stomping at him. A rather large man grabs Love, pulling him away. The camera then focuses on Hannah, who's struggling to sit up. Love is shown then circling around another group of people running, and punts, similar to like a UFC kick, right to the, the, the neck and chin area, knocking Hannah back onto his back and unconscious. Uh, they did say that he is recovering in the hospital um, right now. There's no other uh, follow-ups on that as of right now. I mean, this is what the left has been encouraging, though. If you reverse the roles and had a black man being brutally beaten by a white man and then UFC-style punted in the head, knocking him unconscious, it would be headline city, baby. It would be... On the front page of every newspaper, every headline on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, Hulu would give the black man a TV movie deal, Disney would replace Mickey Mouse logo with an image of that man, but because it's a BLM rioter assaulting a white guy, it's nothing. It's almost like the Cannon Hinton story from last week. It's crickets. It's just silly the double standard of the mainstream media and the leftists. It, it it's crazy. They they say we don't want we don't want racism, systematic racism, the the country is racist, but then they are systematically racist. Systematically, if it is a white victim and a black assailant, it's crickets. If it's a white assailant and a black victim it's George Floyd it's Rayshard Brooks 
It's Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Freddie Gray. It's ridiculous, and it's getting even worse as time goes on. And finally, what you've all been waiting for. Dum, dum, dum. Night two of the Democratic National Convention. So it started off with the keynote address, which was blasé at best. But then it gets good, as they show all the delegates casting their nominations for creepy, sleepy, basement Joe Biden. <laughs> then started the speakers. First was Sally Yates, former acting U.S. attorney. Here, take a quick listen. Good evening. I'm Sally Yates. Speaking at a political convention is something I never expected to be doing. But the future of our democracy is at stake. I'm here in my hometown of Atlanta, where as a young lawyer I joined our nation's Justice Department. For nearly 30 years, through Democratic and Republican administrations, I worked alongside my DOJ colleagues to advance our nation's promise of equal justice. I served as Deputy Attorney General in the Obama-Biden administration and stayed on as Acting Attorney General for the Trump transition. Then, 10 days in, I was fired for refusing to defend President Trump's shameful and unlawful Muslim travel ban. That was the start of his relentless attacks on our democratic institutions and countless dedicated public servants. Like me, these officials didn't swear an oath to a person or a party. Public servants promised to defend our Constitution, uphold our laws, and work on behalf of the American people. But from the moment President Trump took office, he's used his position to benefit himself rather than our country. He's trampled the rule of law, trying to weaponize our Justice Department to attack his enemies and protect his friends. Rather than standing up to Vladimir Putin, he fawns over a dictator who is still trying to interfere in our elections. He's even trying to sabotage our postal service to keep people from being able to vote. His constant attacks on the FBI, the free press, inspectors general, federal judges, they all have one purpose to remove any check on his abuse of power. Put simply, he treats our country like it's his family business, this time bankrupting our nation's moral authority at home and abroad. But our country doesn't belong to him. It belongs to all of us. Joe Biden embraces that. He has spent his entire life putting our country first. He has never backed down from a challenge or a bully. He summons the best in us and lives by the values that define us as Americans. Service, integrity, courage, compassion. There are countless stories of Joe Biden reaching out to someone in their moment of need. Well, this is our country's moment of need. We need a president who respects our laws and the privilege of public service, who reflects our values and cares about our people. We need a president who will restore the soul of America. We need Joe Biden. 
never backed down to bullies. Nope, just pays them $2.5 billion like he did Iran, or allows them to kill our soldiers like Benghazi, huh? Huh? Respect our laws like when Joe said he'd mandate everyone in America to wear a mask if they left their home? Hmm? Okay. <laughs> Next up was Chuck Schumer. Here. Hi. Hi. This is Senator Chuck Schumer, Democratic leader from my hometown, Brooklyn, New York. Behind me is a sight I see out of my window every night. The Statue of Liberty. The same sight that greeted hopeful immigrants like my grandparents. A symbol of freedom and a beacon of hope to the world. Today, Donald Trump has divided our country, diminished our greatness, and demeaned everything that this statue represents. He even hid in a bunker as Americans were tear-gassed and beaten. Millions are jobless. 170,000 Americans have died from COVID. And Donald Trump says, it is what it is. President should never say it is what it is. President Lincoln, honoring the great sacrifice at Gettysburg, didn't say it is what it is. President Roosevelt, seeing a third of the nation ill-housed, ill-clad, and ill-nourished, didn't say it is what it is. America, Donald Trump has quit on you. We need a president with dignity, integrity, and the experience to lead us out of this crisis. A man with a steady hand and a big heart who will never, ever quit on America. That man is my friend, Joe Biden. He will be a great president. But if we're going to win this battle for the soul of our nation, Joe can't do it alone. Democrats must take back the Senate. We will stay united from Sanders and Warren to Manchin and Warner. And with our unity, we will bring bold and dramatic change to our country. Let me tell you some of the things we do. With President Biden, Vice President Harris in a Democratic majority, we will make health care affordable for all. We'll undo the vicious inequality of income and wealth that has plagued America for far too long. And we'll take strong, decisive action to combat climate change and save the planet. We will protect voting rights, fight systemic racism in the criminal justice system and in our economy, and restore a Supreme Court that looks out for people, not corporations. We'll rebuild our infrastructure and make sure every home, from inner city to rural America, has broadband. We will save the post office and once and for all, defeat COVID-19, this evil disease. And, beckoned by the lady behind us, we will reform our immigration system so that immigrants yearning to breathe free will at last become American citizens. Together, we can reignite the hope once felt by millions of men and women, huddled masses on creaking ships, who glimpsed this mighty woman with her torch, knowing they could build a better life here in America. And out of this long national nightmare, America will finally awaken to a brighter future and a new day. He said, hid in a bunker. You mean like Joe has been doing for the last like two or three months? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Chuck brings up that it is what it is because of course they can't get past the fallacy 
that he used that phrase to describe COVID that's been debunked more times than I can count to. He rattles off the list of things that they'll do. Strong, decisive action to combat climate change and protect voting rights and fight systematic racism, yada, yada, yada. But like every other leftist to babble on camera, he doesn't go into any detail. He doesn't give how they'll do it. He just says, we'll do it. Biden, Harris, Pelosi, Schumer, none of them say how they'll do it. They just say they'll do it. Up next was John Kerry. Here, take a listen to him. Hi, I'm John Kerry. For the eight years of the Obama-Biden administration, we led by example. We eliminated the threat of an Iran with a nuclear weapon. We built a 68-nation coalition to destroy ISIS. We forged a 195-nation agreement to attack climate change. We stopped Ebola before it became a pandemic. Donald Trump inherited a growing economy and a more peaceful world. And like everything else he inherited, he bankrupted it. When this president goes overseas, it isn't a goodwill mission, it's a blooper reel. He breaks up with our allies and writes love letters to dictators. America deserves a president who is looked up to, not laughed at. Donald Trump pretends Russia didn't attack our elections, and now he does nothing about Russia putting a bounty on our troops. So he won't defend our country, he doesn't know how to defend our troops. The only person he's interested in defending is himself. This is the bottom line. Our interests, our ideals, and our brave men and women in uniform can't afford four more years of Donald Trump. Our troops can't get out of harm's way by hiding in the White House bunker. They need a president who will stand up for them, and President Biden will. Joe's moral compass is always pointed in the right direction, from the fight to break the back of apartheid to the struggle to wake up the world to genocide in the Balkans. Joe understands that none of the issues of this world, not nuclear weapons, not the challenge of building back better after COVID, not terrorism, and certainly not the climate crisis, none can be resolved without bringing nations together with strength and humility. Joe understands our values don't limit our power, they magnify it. He knows you can't spread democracy around the world if you don't practice it at home. And he knows that even the United States of America needs friends on this planet. Before Donald Trump, we used to talk about American exceptionalism. The only thing exceptional about the incoherent Trump foreign policy is that it has made our nation more isolated than ever before. Joe Biden knows we aren't exceptional because we bluster that we are. We are exceptional because we do exceptional things. On June 6, 1944, young Americans gave their lives on the beaches of Normandy to liberate the world from tyranny. Out of the ashes of that war, we made peace and rebuilt the world. That was and remains exceptional. It is the opposite of everything Donald Trump stands for. This moment is a fight for the security of America and the world. Only Joe Biden can make America lead like America again. If you agree, text JOIN to 30330. Thank you. He said 
they stopped Ebola before it became a pandemic? Well, because the internet is forever a short surge shows in 2014 that U.S. imposed a dum-dum-dum travel ban on the passengers traveling to and from West Africa. Hmm, now doesn't that sound an awful lot like the travel ban the Democrats called Trump a racist, xenophobic bigot for doing when the COVID outbreak first started? Whoa! And up next was Crazy Eyes, Miss Green New Deal herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I can't, I can't roll my tongue like her, but Cortez, take a listen. Good evening, bienvenidos, and thank you to everyone here today endeavoring towards a better, more just future for our country and our world. In fidelity and gratitude, to a mass people's movement working to establish 21st century social, economic, and human rights, including guaranteed health care, higher education, living wages, and labor rights for all people in the United States. A movement striving to recognize and repair the wounds of racial injustice, colonization, misogyny, and homophobia and to propose and build reimagined systems of immigration and foreign policy that turn away from the violence and xenophobia of our past. A movement that realizes the unsustainable brutality of an economy that rewards explosive inequalities of wealth for the few at the expense of long-term stability for the many, and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy. In a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care, in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. Oof. Blink and you'd miss that speech. I wonder how AOC feels about John Legend and a Republican getting more face time than her. I mean, I'll give her credit. She smashed a whole 10-minute speech into 90 seconds. She covered racial inequality, which doesn't exist. She covered income inequality, which is a myth. She covered speaking Spanish, because, you know, as Beto pointed out in the whole five-minute run for president that he had, speaking Spanish is a guarantee to get Latinos on your side. Hey, And she even covered women's rights, which they've had for some 50 years now. Just powerful, powerful stuff for AOC. Next up was Lisa Rochester, but she was a flop, so we'll skip that one and move on to the big guy, Wild Bill, Bill Clinton. Good evening. A presidential election is the world's most important job interview. At the end, we hire a leader to help us solve problems, create opportunities, and give our kids better tomorrows. That's a tall order this year, with the COVID-19 outbreak on a path to killing 200,000 people and destroying millions of jobs and small businesses. How did Donald Trump respond? At first, he said the virus was under control and would soon disappear. When it didn't, he was on TV every day bragging on what a great job he was doing. 
while our scientists waited to give us vital information. When he didn't like the expert advice he was given, he ignored it. Only when COVID exploded in even more states did he encourage people to wear masks. By then, many more were dying. When asked about the surge in deaths, he shrugged and said, it is what it is. But did it have to be this way? No. COVID hit us much harder than it had to. We have just 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's COVID cases. Our unemployment rate is more than twice as high as South Korea's, two and a half times the United Kingdom's, more than three times Japan's. Donald Trump says we're leading the world. Well, we are the only major industrial economy to have its unemployment rate tripled. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. The buck never stops there. Now you have to decide whether to renew his contract or hire someone else. If you want a president who defines the job as spending hours a day watching TV and zapping people on social media, he's your man. Denying, distracting, and demeaning works great if you're trying to entertain or inflame. But in a real crisis, it collapses like a house of cards. COVID just doesn't respond to any of that. To beat it, you've got to actually go to work and deal with the facts. Our party is united in offering you a very different choice, a go-to-work president, a down-to-earth, get-the-job-done guy, a man with a mission to take responsibility, not shift the blame, concentrate, not distract, unite, not divide. Our choice is Joe Biden. Joe helped bring us back from a recession before, and he can do it again. In 2009, Barack Obama and Joe Biden started with the worst economy since the Great Depression. And when they were done, they delivered more than six straight years of job growth. What did Joe do? He accepted responsibility for implementing the Recovery Act. His work created a lot of new jobs and started many new companies in communities across our country. Now Joe's committed to building America back again. How? He's given us smart, detailed plans to invest in areas vital to our future, innovative financing for modern factories and small businesses, good jobs and green energy and conservation to combat climate change, a modern infrastructure that brings small town and rural America the connectivity and investment others take for granted, and a plan to ensure that black Americans, Latino Americans, Native Americans, women, immigrants, and other communities left behind are full participants in our economy and our society. Joe Biden wants to build an economy far better suited to our changing world. Better for young people. Better for families working and raising their kids. Better for people who lost jobs and need new ones. Better for farmers tired of being collateral damage in trade wars. Better for workers caring for the sick, elderly, and people with disabilities. Better because of a living wage and access to affordable higher education and health care, including prescription drugs and to childcare, a secure retirement, and for the first time, paid family and medical leave. Joe won't just put his signature on a check and try to fool you into thinking it came from him. He'll work to make sure that your paycheck reflects your contribution to and your stake in a growing economy. In this job interview, the difference is stark. You know what Donald Trump will do with four more years, blame, bully, and belittle. 
And you know what Joe Biden will do? Build back better. It's Trump's us versus them America against Joe Biden's America, where we all live and work together. It's a clear choice. The future of our country is riding on it. Thank you. The Oval Office should be a command center. Oh, you mean a command center where the president engages in sexual congress with a young intern? Hmm? And on a final note, even though many of you believe that currently the favorite pastime in the oral office is swallow the leader, I did not, I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up all night. <laughs> now listen up, Billy boy. I know you want to go hot and heavy at the guy who annihilated your wife four years ago when she ran and failed to be elected, but at least get the facts straight. We have a high unemployment rate due to your party closing down the economy, you schmuck. You can't argue with stats, and stats are solid, showing before COVID, we were the greatest economy in history. Lowest unemployment rate, lowest black and minority unemployment rate, highest job mobility. I could go on and on and on. But you crazies decided to shut down the economy for a virus that has a 99.96% survival rate which is better than the normal flu, Ebola, H1N1, cancer, and diabetes combined. So please, spare us the orange man bad cliche. I think people would respect you just a bit more, Billy boy. So after Bill was Jimmy Carter, Chris Coons, and an activist who I've never heard of, Addie Barker, but... They were all pretty lackluster, so I'll skip those tonight. I might touch on those Friday or something. Let's get to the last speaker, Dr. Jill Biden, wife of Creepy Sleepy Joe. I have always loved the sounds of a classroom, the quiet that sparks with possibility just before students shuffle in, the murmur of ideas bouncing back and forth as we explore the world together the laughter and tiny moments of surprise you find in materials you've taught a million times. When I taught English here at Brandywine High School, I would spend my summer preparing for the school year about to start, filled with anticipation. But this quiet is heavy. You can hear the anxiety that echoes down empty hallways. There's no scent of new notebooks or freshly waxed floors. The rooms are dark as the bright young faces that should fill them are now confined to boxes on a computer screen. I hear it from so many of you. The frustration of parents juggling work while they support their children's learning or are afraid that their kids might get sick from school the concern of every person working without enough protection, the despair in the lines that stretch out before food banks, and the indescribable sorrow that follows every lonely last breath when the ventilators turn off. As a mother and a grandmother, as an American, 
I am heartbroken by the magnitude of this loss, by the failure to protect our communities, by every precious and irreplaceable life gone. Like so many of you, I'm left asking, how do I keep my family safe? You know, motherhood came to me in a way I never expected. I fell in love with a man and two little boys standing in the wreckage of unthinkable loss, mourning a wife and mother, a daughter and sister. I never imagined at the age of 26, I would be asking myself, how do you make a broken family whole? Still, Joe always told the boys, mommy sent Jill to us, and how could I argue with her? And so we figured it out together in those big moments that would go by too fast, Thanksgivings and state championships, birthdays and weddings, in the mundane ones that we didn't even know were shaping our lives, reading stories piled on the couch, rowdy Sunday dinners and silly arguments, listening to the faint sounds of laughter that would float downstairs as Joe put the kids to bed every night while I studied for grad school or graded papers under the pale yellow kitchen lamp, the dinner dishes waiting in the sink. We found that love holds a family together. Love makes us flexible and resilient. It allows us to become more than ourselves together. And though it can't protect us from the sorrows of life, it gives us refuge, a home. How do you make a broken family whole? The same way you make a nation whole. With love and understanding and with small acts of kindness with bravery, with unwavering faith. You show up for each other in big ways and small ones, again and again. It's what so many of you are doing right now for your loved ones, for complete strangers, for your communities. There are those who wanna tell us that our country is hopelessly divided, that our differences are irreconcilable. But that's not what I've seen over these last few months. We're coming together and holding on to each other. We're finding mercy and grace in the moments we might have once taken for granted. We're seeing that our differences are precious and our similarities infinite. We have shown that the heart of this nation still beats with kindness and courage. That's the soul of America Joe Biden is fighting for now. After our son Beau died of cancer, I wondered if I would ever smile or feel joy again. It was summer, but there was no warmth left for me. Four days after Beau's funeral, I watched Joe shave and put on his suit. I saw him steal himself in the mirror, take a breath, put his shoulders back, and walk out into a world empty of our son. He went back to work, 
That's just who he is. There are times when I couldn't even imagine how he did it, how he put one foot in front of the other and kept going. But I've always understood why he did it. For the daughter who convinces her mom to finally get a breast cancer screening and misses work to drive her to the clinic. For the community college student who has faced homelessness and survived abuse, but finds the grit to finish her degree and make a good life for her kids. For the little boy whose mom is serving as a Marine in Iraq, who puts on a brave face in his video call and doesn't complain when the only thing he wants for his birthday is to be with her. For all those people Joe gives his personal phone number to at rope lines and events, the ones he talks to for hours after dinner, helping them smile through their loss, letting them know that they aren't alone. He does it for you. Joe's purpose has always driven him forward. His strength of will is unstoppable and his faith is unshakable because it's not in politicians or political parties or even in himself. It's in the providence of God. His faith is in you, in us. Yes, so many classrooms are quiet right now. The playgrounds are still. But if you listen closely, you can hear the sparks of change in the air. Across this country, educators, parents, first responders, Americans of all walks of life are putting their shoulders back, fighting for each other. We haven't given up. We just need leadership worthy of our nation, worthy of you, honest leadership to bring us back together to recover from this pandemic and prepare for whatever else is next. Leadership to reimagine what our nation will be. That's Joe. He and Kamala will work as hard as you do every day to make this nation better. And if I have the honor of serving as your first lady, I will too. And with Joe as president, these classrooms will ring out with laughter and possibility once again. The burdens we carry are heavy and we need someone with strong shoulders. I know that if we entrust this nation to Joe, he will do for your family what he did for ours. Bring us together and make us whole. Carry us forward in our time of need. Keep the promise of America for all of us. Great job. Hey, everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> As you heard tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, you can see why she's the love of my life, the rock of our family. She never gives herself much credit. But the truth is, she's the strongest person I know. She's a backbone like a ramrod. She loves fiercely, cares deeply. Nothing stops her when she sets her mind to getting something right. And, you know, for all of you out there across the country, 
Just think of your favorite educator who gave you the confidence to believe in yourself. That's the kind of first lady, 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 this Jill Biden will be. God love you. So go to JoeBiden.com to join our campaign. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you soon. Thank you. And as you can hear, she utilized the school and children as a sympathy tactic. Hmm. Funny, coming from the wife of the man who was second in charge when the kids in cages thing y'all scream about was started. And statistically, it's about 85% of schools being closed right now are Democrat-ran city schools. Cray-cray, I know. Then it wouldn't be complete without Joe Biden slumbering his way onto camera for one of the most awkward hugs and kisses I've seen between a married couple ever. <laughs> I'm honestly shocked he found his way from the basement to the school. Of course, he's carrying his mask, that mask that he would mandate everybody wear if he's elected, not wearing it, no, no, carrying it, as opposed to his usual dangling off his ear, down below his chin, or even not seen with it at all. I swear, this entire DNC hell, the entire election is one big Saturday Night Live skit. I'm waiting for Trump to get on camera and just say, live from New York, it's Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, I it, you can't write this stuff. You really can't. Well, anyway, that's it for tonight's show. I appreciate y'all tuning in to night two of the Crazy Train Convention. Make sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Tomorrow's lineup is Elizabeth Warren, old Focahontas herself, Nancy, I swear I'm not drunk, Pelosi, Hillary Benghazi, what? Clinton. Vice President Pick Kamala Harris, and former President Barack Hussein Obama. Until tomorrow, good night and God bless.